Welcome to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset with me, Johnny Pardo. Welcome back to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset podcast with me, Johnny Pardo. Today, I welcome back a guest. I welcome Gianna to the show where we're going to be talking about many things on confidence mindset. We're going to be talking about authenticity and we're going to also be talking about Gianna's latest book. So I'm really, really excited to welcome you back, Gianna. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great. So just an introduction to Gianna, and then we're going to go straight into the conversation. So Gianna is a board certified behavior analyst who challenges women to overcome narratives and fight for their rights to live interesting and authentic lives outside boxes created by society. Her work as a keynote speaker, lifestyle design and leadership coach and writer has gained national attention in publications such as Forbes and has reached podcast audiences in over 100 countries. Prior to publishing Fuckless, A Guide to Wild, Unencumbered Freedom, she has she founded the innovative employee well-being agency work well with the O being a free. So Gianna, can you tell us a little bit about your latest book and kind of what what inspired you to create that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so like you said, it's called Fuckless, The Guide to Wild Unencumbered Freedom. And it started off as a journal entry um, in October 2019. So a couple months before the pandemic, um, I had been through some things personally within my marriage at the time and with um, some male business partners of mine. And there was a, a confluence of variables um, that were really bubbling up under the surface for me. And I woke up October, 20, October 1st, uh, 2019, pulled out my laptop. And um, it's interesting because I normally journal with a pen and paper. Um, but I pulled out my laptop because my thoughts were just going and going and going. And I wrote the first five pages of Fuckless. Mm -hmm. And the first sentence I wrote was, um, women are conditioned to be the air and water that sustains, but does not disrupt those around us. And that's really the concept of the book um, is from society, from media, from politics, from education, from our own social circles and families, women are given narratives about what it means to be a female. Most of those narratives keep us liked and right at all times. Um, I think we we obviously raise men and women very differently. And I noticed that men are kind of sent out into the world to be these conquistadors and confident adventurers. And it doesn't matter if they're married or single. It doesn't matter if they're fat or thin. It doesn't matter. Um, we want them to be interesting and adventurous individuals, whereas we don't raise women the same. We raise women to be liked and to live in these glass boxes that society gives to us. Um, and it's distracting and it deviates us from our authentic selves, which I think is, is so harmful. And so I wrote Fuckless with 10 fucks that women are given. Um, be small, be soft, be stifled, be chosen, be dependent, be sexy, but sweet. And I use my background in behavioral science and in life design to help tease apart these chapters. This isn't a book about how to be a woman. It's a book about, hey, maybe all of these things are true for you. If you believe that being feminine and being a woman is being 
small and serving others and and not speaking up and to to look a certain way all the time and that's fulfilling and healthy for you great wonderful but if you look at these stories and think oh my gosh these are not true for me there are exercises and guiding questions to help you evaluate where those stories came from so you could rewrite a more authentic life for yourself mm. I like the way you said it was started from a journaling entry. So yeah, I've, I've heard like a few, you know, a few books to start that way. And it's kind of just you, you getting thoughts out of your head and then getting into your, your message a little bit, and then actually sharing that and developing it into something bigger as well. Mm -hmm. So in terms of authenticity, often we're, you know, not, I don't think it's just like women, but sometimes guys struggle with it. Obviously, I know this is focused on, um, you know, helping women become more empowered, which is awesome. I love that. And I love to help anyone feel empowered and be their authentic self as much as possible. So thank you for writing the book for us. Uh, in terms of authenticity, often in society, we're so conditioned, just like with information and noise coming at us, left, right and centre. So what would you say to someone who's perhaps a little bit lost on who they are and actually what they want to do with their life? Great question. And, you know, I think we have this consumption culture where when we feel dissatisfied or empty or lonely, we first try and fill it up with stuff, right? We, we eat too much, we drink too much, we buy too much. And then we're like, well, that's, that's not helping. Um, then we kind of look to see what everybody else is doing, right? I want to be that guy. I want to be that woman. I want to, I want that life. And, and we look to everywhere outside of us for fulfillment and for happiness. And when we look outside of us for those things, we're going to be disappointed every time. Mm -hmm. Not to say that having a role model or an idea of a lifestyle isn't a good start, but when we can think from the inside out and kind of tease apart what we're not, um, which is really where Fuckless starts, it's here are the things that I'm not, here are the stories and beliefs that are no longer true for me. You don't really have to know where you're going. You just have to know where you want to walk away from. And it's not always what you add, it's what you subtract. And so mm -hmm. I would say the first step is really thinking about what's weighing you down what belief, what story, what narrative is just heavy. And we can, I don't think we're very good at, at feeling in our bodies. We're always kind of up here. Um, but when you can really dial into your body and think, oh my gosh, this, this is so weighty and really explore that, I think that's a great first start. That's a great signal that that probably needs to go. Um, then you kind of have to be prepared for it to be a lonely ride because you're changing something and that means letting go of something and grieving something. And there is loss to that. However, it's temporary because then you can turn around and say, this is what I am. Now that I've kind of gotten rid of the things that I'm not or the people that I don't want to spend time with or the job that I don't want to do or whatever, some of that is more realistic than, than others. It does create space for, for who you actually are, which is worth it. I think every time I've done this work for years, um, and I would say, while the book is for women, as you mentioned, I would say almost half, if not more than half of the feedback and messages and emails that I'm getting are from men. Wow. Um, amazing. I, I never in a million years 
thought a book with pink flames on the cover and vagina references would attract <laughs> so many men. And it's across the board from saying, I bought the book to be a better dad. I bought the book to be a better partner and it's helping me. I was just at a brewery yesterday and a guy saw the book in my purse and I gave it to him to read. And I said, well, it's for women. And I, you know, kind of explained the whole thing. And he read the book a little and gave it back to me and said, you know, I think we all want to live that way. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I've been really impressed with how many men are attracted to the book. I think this resonates with everyone. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, really interesting. That's good to hear that people were, well, the guys you mentioned wanted it to use it to be a better husband, father, and those kind of things as well. So love that in terms of what you said on that. I noticed you've got also in the, the book, there's a section on values, I believe, and actually looking at what our values are. And can you tell us a little bit about that section? Because I'm particularly interested in how we perhaps identify what are our values? Because a lot of us, we, we probably don't even know because we're so busy, right? Absolutely. And I love values work. I originally went into values work thinking it was, um, you know, generic phrases that, you know, like a poster on the wall. And then I realized that I could really take control over what values work I did as a behavior analyst. Um, and so when I work with clients and I make this free through my website in the book, we start with values. Um, and I have a specific behavioral values assessment. I think when you give someone a list and say, pick your values. We pick the things that are so aspirational, right? I care about my family. I don't care about monetary success. And we have those shoulds, right? I should choose family first. I shouldn't choose monetary recognition or success at all. I'm not supposed to do that. But my behavioral values assessment really asks you to be honest and think about where you spend your time. If you say, why value family more than anything, but you don't spend any time with them or you're not actively working to be a better parent, partner, son, daughter, sister, whatever. Can you really say that that is something that you highly value? No. Can you change? Absolutely. But this values assessment really asks you, what are the things that you authentically care about according to where you spend your time? And why is that important? Because most of the book is about dropping these fucks and there are all these stories, a lot from myself, and it gets you really inspired. But where I think the self-development and self-growth industry fails is with the how, right? We walk away from a book or a podcast and we're inspired and we've been nodding the whole time and we're smiling and we feel energized. And then what happens? I didn't want someone to just be inspired and walk away and put the book down and not change anything. So part two is to say, glad you're inspired. Hold up. You have to go out into the world now with the changes you want to make. That society you're walking back into is responsible for shaping you into the person that you're trying to change and move away from. Not because we live in a malicious society, although that's another conversation, um, we live in a world where people don't like when we change because we change the rules and people don't like change. And so I have five ways in the end of the book to say, here are the changes you want to make. Here's how to take that out in the world. The more we're rooted in our values and in our intentions and in ourselves, it's a protective factor 
to doing this work around other people. When your partner rolls their eyes, when your family is like, well, you're doing that stupid work again. When your friends are like, wait, I thought you were this and now you're this, you know, there's this pushback um, from the rest of the world. And most people go, oh yeah, okay, no, no, no. And, and kind of drift back to who they were. When we're not given the skills to protect who we've become, we are in danger of drifting back to who we were. And so that's the values, that's the values concept for me. Oh, love it. And yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting to just see what your own values are. I remember doing a lot of this in sort of the Tony Robbins world as well. So actually uncovering what things sometimes they were and like had been conditioned into you as well. So I love what you said about the how as well. Um doing doing getting inspired, you know, it's great and fantastic, and actually giving them practice people practical tools because that's going to create the change and more lasting change the more you do it so really like that so in terms of kind of being able to be who we really are now obviously if you're around people who perhaps not you for it it's going to be a bit of a challenge to actually be your authentic self so in the book do you go or kind of in your work in general do you go into how your environment can help you or hinder you a little bit? Yes, absolutely. And again, you know, other people are not responsible for our happiness and we can't make it responsible for our unhappiness either. And so a lot of the work I do with people is on themselves. And what I hear is, yeah, but I tried that, but that person didn't like it. Or yeah, but, you know, we get these yeah, buts. Well, yeah, but I tried it, but not everybody loved it. And my response is, so... Just because nobody, just because somebody doesn't like a change that you're making doesn't mean it's wrong. It means it's new. Mm. And you really have to make that decision to say, well, you can get over it and then they'll get over it or not. Maybe they're just not my people anymore. And as long as you're not harming them or yourself, all of that is okay. You're, you're allowed to make changes about your life. And I think that this is the, the central tenet of the book is that women are raised to be liked and men don't have to give a shit about being liked because that's not where their value is. It doesn't mean that men don't care if they're liked or not. I know plenty that do, especially in leadership. But when you place a woman's value on being liked, she will start to chameleon herself depending on who she's with. And she'll wear this around this person and act like this around this person and state these wants and needs around this person, but not with her partner. And so we shape ourselves very far away from who we're supposed to be until we wake up one day and realize we have no idea who we are anymore because we've been a million different things to a million different people. And my response is to that individual, you have to take accountability and responsibility for that um, and stop living to be liked. And this is when we live from the inside out and say, I'm making this choice about my life. And if you have an issue with it or if you're uncomfortable with it, I can see how that would make you uncomfortable, but I'm also not going to change. And this is what I'm doing. And so you have a choice now of keeping me in your life or of spending time with me. And this is a really, it's a book about boundaries, to be honest. And another resource I have in the book and on my website is, gosh, maybe 60 scripts for actual things to say when you get pushback from other people. Well, I thought you were doing this, but but don't you care about this? You know, you get these, these pushbacks um, and I have scripts and I mean, read them and make them your own, you know, put, put your own voice to them, but they're vocal crutches to kind of lean on 
that you can memorize and that you can refer to because it's hard in the moment. You know, you walk into your family gathering and you're going to, you know, live your best life and, and be authentic and show up as yourself. And there's fear there because you know who's going to agree with that or not. And you've got to be ready for that pushback to say, yeah, you don't have to agree with me on that, but thank you so much for your opinion and stay rooted, right? And then the other person you're not responsible for, they can spin out of control, they can accept it, it whatever they do from there is their choice. Um, and I, I think that's really important to internalize for anyone wanting to make changes, just because someone has an issue with it doesn't mean it's wrong, it just means it's new. Yeah. No, absolutely. And actually, I was on there. I was talking to someone earlier on on their podcast about this and the idea that you you we sometimes focus too much on what we can't control, which is other people. Right. So it comes back to you and then being that example and yeah, making sure you're you understand. I like what you said about being responsible for your own you're responsible for how you, you know, you respond to things. You can't necessarily affect what they do. And it's just those communi communications. I like what you've done with the scripts and the boundaries as well. So that's awesome. So obviously the book's called Fuckless and it's really about, well, I, obviously I'm looking forward to reading it or listening to it. And, you know, there's a lot of us are quite fearful about coming out of our comfort zone and actually going for what we want sometimes. So, do you have any guidance for someone who's perhaps wanting to change their circumstances, but you know, it's a little bit of a challenge. They don't have to jump too far. Do you have any sort of guidance to anyone who perhaps is looking to break out of the comfort zone, but that fear is holding them back a little bit? Yes. Go smaller. <laughs> mm. When, when we're inspired, you know, when we're inspired, we want to take over the world. It's like, I'm going to drop all of these beliefs and I'm going to be a totally different person starting tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> not really, right? No, you're not. Um, that's not how change works. We don't flip a switch or take a pill. It's work and that's the work that makes it worth it. And so if, if there's fear or if you're feeling overwhelmed, just break that up into something smaller. When we're changing a habit, I've, I've changed in embarrassingly small ways. But it's been successful every time because if I take a very, very, very small, low risk step and do something kind of outside my comfort zone, like I'm going to wear, I don't know, some crazy outfit or I'm going to wear like an orange jumpsuit because it looks fun, right? What's the risk to that, right? At the end of the day, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go do a little experiment and see how this is received. When we can take those tiny little steps and not be punished for it. You know, if I go out in my orange jumpsuit and everybody either doesn't say anything or they say, oh, you look super cute today. Look at you in that. I'm either accessing neutrality or I'm accessing reinforcement. That makes it more likely I can take smaller steps in the future and make those bigger and bigger changes. And so if you wanna make a change and you have an idea in your head and it's just evoking fear and it doesn't feel adventurous or inspiring to you, start smaller, a lot smaller. And as you access rewards and reinforcement, or at least avoid punishment from society for making those small changes, you'll improve your relationship with change. And then change won't be scary. It's an adventure, it's an experiment. And you can see these little changes happening over time. If you make one tiny little change a week, six weeks from now, you've got six changes. 
And you can mm. look back and go, I never would have won that six weeks ago, or I never would have said that six weeks ago. And look at me now. That's how change occurs. And it's much more enjoyable that way. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out, making those small little changes, because I think sometimes we like an example I can think of is like, say you really want to express or share a message in front of a group of people and you're terrified of public speaking while going out in front of a thousand people straight away is let's be honest that's that's probably not realistic for you because you're just going to be held back by fear now someone like yourself probably still get forgive me if i'm wrong but you probably still get that little bit of nerve or whatever but you know you've, you've done it but if you've never done it before it's going to be too big a jump so I like what you said about the little little steps. I also like what you said about rewarding yourself and praising yourself. And my my mentor, uh, he Joseph, he always was all about patting yourself on the back for all the small little steps. So like what you said about the little rewards as well. Well, it's so fun. You know, now I do things and yeah, I'm in Annapolis and I'm signing up for the yacht club here and I'm learning how to sail. Oh, and that's awesome. something that normally I would have said, absolutely not. That sounds like something I would never be good at. It's like, but you don't know that. Worst thing that happens is I crash the boat into the dock and I'm buying a boat. I mean, that's the worst thing that's going to happen. But, you know, and there's research behind this. When you get a feeling, we can choose what to name that feeling. We can call it anxiety or we can call it excitement. We can call it terrifying or we can call it an adventure. And only, you know, it's true for you. But um, I'm able to make changes easily because everything is an experiment. I'm a scientist. And so everything is an experiment and an adventure to me. And if I quote unquote fail, I've learned something and I'm just amused and I laugh at it and I move on and, you know, change my approach in the future. So we really got to just be easy on ourselves. I think we're, we're all in this human experience together and, you know, we're, we're all fighting some sort of internal battle. Mm. I like the words you use as well. Experiment and adventure as well. It makes it, it's, it gives it a completely different meaning from like, or risk using the words risk or fearful and you know risk risk do happen and in life to kind of progress but I like the way you said like experiment and adventure and uh yeah well looks it sounds fun to like start up that new activity as well so loving it so one thing I wanted to kind of ask you is that we, we kind of touched on it as the start but the there's a lot of information coming at us right left right and center so how important is it to be cautious of the information you're letting into your into your mind in your opinion whether it's like the news whether it's a podcast whether it's like what you're reading to me it's everything um you know we we create our our world we create our our internal worlds if you're playing a record every day of mm. the world's a bad scary place and everyone's awful and nobody cares about anybody and i'm terrible and i'm never going to learn this then that's the reality that, that you create. Um, you're exposing yourself to negativity all the time. Uh, to me, I, I also don't believe in constantly being positive either. I'm a, I'm a realist. Um, I just had a conversation with maybe four or five people in my life over the last couple of weeks who've called me to, to, um, to vent and to, to be negative and to just be in the space of frustration with the world. Um, women in America lost their right to abortion today, which is terrifying and horrifying. Um, and so we're all in a weird space. And so the conversation that I had over the last couple of weeks with a couple of people is, I'm happy to create space for you to vent and to be frustrated. Um, 
I would also love to continue the conversation with what we can do about the thing that you're frustrated by or upset about, because to me, that's regaining control. Um, to complain about things and to get into this negative space that I don't feel like I have any control over, um, it, it decreases our well-being. It decreases our physical and mental health. And am, am I going to solve all the problems in the world? No. Um, but I can be part of a solution. And to me saying, oh my gosh, you know, the climate is in the toilet. I can say, okay, let's start a composting club and we'll all get composters or we'll like sign up for Annapolis composting or, you know, abortion rights being overturned today. It's like, how can I start a fund for women who can't afford abortions to travel to different states where they can get abortions? How can I am I up for driving women to different states, right? Like what is my part in the solution? So I try and spend very little time mm -hmm. in the non-functional negative space. If I'm going to be angry, frustrated, irritable, I want it to propel me to action. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of movement in the, this is the yoga quote. There's a lot of movement in the world, but action is movement with intention. And so I want to, I want to act. I don't want to just move and stay in this negative space I want to hold on. And if I'm going to feel that feeling, I want it to propel me into intentional action. So I'm part of a solution and, and hopefully take some people around me with me. Mm. Yeah. Really value what you said there about actually, yeah, like being a realist and we're not always going to be positive all the time and like, oh, think happy thoughts and stuff like, you know, frustrations are going to come in and, uh, you know, like like a couple of examples you've talked about for, and it's going to affect individuals differently, but being able to move and create movement on the solution that you're wanting to help towards at least. So that's awesome. So obviously, again, the book's, the book's called like Fuckless and it's you're trying to get women to be more authentic and kind of get into their who they are and get out of the boxes that they've been given so what would you say obviously we're all different as individuals and we've all got these different beliefs and different psychology and all these different thoughts right are there perhaps maybe two or three beliefs you see that hold people back or is it kind of a whole range just kind of wanting to get your thoughts on that i think it's highly individual mm. um the the overarching belief and I see this with men too, is that um, if we're not liked, then we're doing something wrong. Mm. If people don't love what we're doing, if we're not making everyone around us comfortable and happy, then we're wrong. Um, that's the, the biggest limiting belief, I think. Um, there are things I've done in my own life that are, um, that are, that are empathetic and compassionate and warm-hearted and there were people around me who didn't like it. They didn't like how it reflected back to them what they weren't doing in their own lives. Mm. And so, um, you know, that that's really when you have to draw that boundary and, and realize it's not about you. And um, yeah, I, I would say the overarching belief is that we have to be liked and to, in, in order to be liked, we have to fit into something that isn't truly us because if we don't, we're bad, we're wrong, um, we're selfish, any of the accolades that that women um, get in that category. Um, for me, you know, I think um, I'm a very gregarious, extroverted person. Mm. And I think when women are um, 
are that that way we get called aggressive or too much or you know i can't tell you how many times i'm i've been told i'm intimidating or um i i I, I'm overconfident, right? Like, well, you're very confident and you have to understand how that makes people feel. And my reaction is I'm not going to change because other people haven't done their own work. I've done a lot of work to become who I am. And I think when you claw your way into a life that you love, you're really protective over it. I've had a lot of loss over the last couple of years, a lot of trauma throughout the process of writing Fuckless. That's how so many of my own stories got, got in there. Um, and I, you know, I come out on this other side and I'm very protective over the life I lead and the life I've created. And, and that's my wish for anybody doing this work, whether you read the book or not, um, but the book will help get you there. Um, it's just to toss those beliefs out the window, whatever they are for you, because life is very short. And nobody sits on their deathbed and gets a medal for doing it everybody else's way. Um, that's a very lonely race. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To totally love what you said there about being able to, yeah, be on your own, own journey, ultimately. And it's going to be individual to each. But yeah, we're, we're, we're totally with the beliefs that there can be many different ones. But yeah, I often see this pattern in people trying to, fit someone else's picture so a lot what you said about we don't want to get to the end of the year the not the year the end of our lives and be like oh i wish i lived more than me it's boring um mm. i don't think that living life according to what everyone else wants for you and what everyone else is doing is number one interesting number two fulfilling or number three why we're here um a friend of mine in australia the other day said oh gosh you know i'm I'm trying to, to, to just get right with myself. And I, but I see all these guys in finance and they're driving these luxury cars. And I said, yeah, you don't want to join the long race to the middle, right? Or you, you have the checklist of things and you're still not happy, right? Take a hard left. You are not like everyone else. You don't need to follow a template constructed by the majority and go be interesting, go, go fly your freak flag and go add color to the world. Um, there are enough of us trying to do it everyone else's way. And so when we wake up and say, I'm gonna take a hard left on life today and just adventure around like a drunk unicorn at a <laughs> frat party and just see what I stumble upon and look at life as an exploration and an adventure and listening to, to your insides, not kind of your outsides. Um, life is so much more fulfilling that way. I find that the most interesting people to me live that way. Those are the interesting people that I'm very attracted to. I'm curious about, I find myself leaning in towards and, and wanting in my circle because they've got these amazing stories of curious adventures. I think that's what life is all about. Hmm. Curious adventures. Really like that term great one so yeah so one one kind of final question Gianna um and really enjoyed talking to you and definitely really looking forward to diving into your book and we were kind of touching on this before the the podcast actually but in terms of like again it goes back to like this busyness this noise these expectations that are put on us is there anything you found effective in terms of being more mindful of what your own needs are or just being able to strengthen that relationship with yourself to listen to that that voice. Absolutely. Um, 
I recently learned last year that peace is greater than happiness and that you can't have happiness or joy without peace. I personally can't have peace without silence. Um, and so every day I wake up, I move my body, whether I dance or shake or go for a bike ride or a run and I meditate and I manifest every day and I figure out where my energy is and I drop anything not serving me. And I, I, I raise my vibration. I raise my, my attitude. I think about gratitude and abundance and, and all the things. Um, it's not a cure-all, but it definitely puts me in a better headspace. Um, it, it kills me that the self-care industry is all products and all things you have to buy and things you have to do and, and things you have to be and wear in order for it to be self-care, especially for women. Like why is getting a fucking manicure self-care? <laughs> self-care improves our well-being, right? When I am sitting in silence with my dog, staring at nature in my backyard, so much comes up for me when we can turn the volume down on the world around us. That's like, you should look like this. You should do this, wear this, say this, eat this, think this. When we can turn that down and be silent, first of all, it's free, it's effective, and it's shown to help our mental and physical health more than a lot of things. And so for me, when I'm in those moments is when those things do bubble up or when I'm going for, for a run and I don't have my headphones in. Mm. those things bubble up and we all know what they are we all know who we are and what we want we just have to turn the noise down um people will say i knew I, nobody ever wakes up and says i had no idea i had to make this change and then i just made it and everything was great the story is always i wanted to make this change for years i knew i should have done this months or years ago but it's tugging at you we all, everybody listening right now is thinking of that one thing that's tugging at them that we keep shoving away, right? Maybe because we have to, or we think that we should, or we think that it's helping us, but that thing keeps tugging and keeps coming back. And I think that's why we really avoid silence. It's because we're afraid of the thoughts. We're afraid of what will happen when we're not overstimulated um, and distracted with everything else. And so um, my biggest recommendation for anybody is to, to sit in quiet. And I think we, we pat ourselves on the back and it's social currency. And it's like, oh, I don't have time for that. I'm way too busy. No, you're not. No one's that important. You're not that important. And you shouldn't be. No one should be too busy to sit in quiet for 20 minutes a day because they're doing other things. That just doesn't, um, that's not how we're built as humans. 100% agree with you. No one's too busy for the, the most important things. And if listening to yourself is not seen as important, well, it's your decision. But yeah, I absolutely agree with what you say, making time. And yeah, and also the running thing, like <laughs> that's just a little thing that it was, it just demonstrates when you go to the gym or you go running, we always have to be, and I'm guilty of this myself. I've been guilty of this a lot of times, but going and then listening to something which it can be good sometimes can be like some good music uplifting songs could be a podcast could be an audio but which is great but yeah making sure you got that time for silence like I try and skip I schedule it in the morning at least it's not always with my run but I like what you said about the silence being able to listen to yourself even if it's a little bit uncomfortable well we love to we love to make things linear and black and white you know like I'm never gonna have any extra time 
I only want silence. I'm not going to do this. You know, we draw these hard lines when all we need to do every hour of the day, every day is what do I need right now? Do I need my energy up? Do I need my energy down? What work am I doing? Do I need to be motivated? I mean, we're changing constantly throughout the day, throughout the year, throughout our lifespan. Um, and so really like attaching to one way of doing things because you read it in a book somewhere that somebody successful did it is never going to, is never going to work for you. We're always changing. And so that again, bring it internally, right? What do I need right now? Yeah. Love that. <laughs> it's quite funny. You said that. I just booked a spontaneous holiday to the Greek islands as well. And I was just Wonderful. like, earlier, I just went, right, I want to go on holiday. I'm booking a holiday. So it was, yeah, that was good timing. It's an example of your point straight away. So there we go. Yes. Enjoy. I love the Greek islands. They're so beautiful. Yeah. Well, California next. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what you're talking about before. So hit awesome. me up for recommendations. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Anyway, Gianna, really enjoyed talking today and amazing work on your book and everything you've been doing. So where can people find more about you and your work? Uh, GiannaBiscontini.com is my, way, my main website. You'll see all the downloadables. Everything is free there. You can order the book. Um, and then my other company is a well-being company called WorkWell, W3RKWELL.com. Awesome. Love it. We'll be sure to link those up in the show notes again so people can check out your amazing work. So once again, a massive thank you, Gianna, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. Awesome. So that concludes our episode for today. And remember, work on your self-confidence every single day. <laughs>